Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode 25, I believe, of Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond. We are in the Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios. This week's episode, obviously coming considerably later than general, generally. Yeah. Uh, everything uh, got messed up by the game yesterday. And, and the fact that it takes yeah. 13 hours to get to Ames. Yeah. I counted. Uh, I went to the game last night as a as a fan mm-hmm. to enjoy. Man, thanks for coming and saying what's up. Yep, I don't have access to your fancy places. I literally sit on the concourse. Everybody just walks right past us. Like you could, all you would have to do is walk around the inner ring of the concourse, you don't and get, tap me on the shoulder and say hi. You don't get one of those fancy floor seats. No. Who gets the fancy floor seats? Uh, people like uh, Travis Hines and Randy Peterson, Tommy Birch. Why? The important media members, we are, uh, you know, we're the internet guys. We're the, uh, we're the renegades, the, the, the hooligans. The hooligans? Yeah. So they put us up at the top. They make us sit, you know, not really at the top, but not on the floor. I don't care though. I like to sit where we sit. So I'm right at half court. It seems like it's a better view of things. Yeah. It's a lot better view. You can actually see like everything developing and stuff like that. And then... Like when I went to Manhattan, we sat, I sat, uh, so here I'll say that that chair, I was like, I was like back there by the door. To paint a visual for those that are not here. Yeah. My feet are on a chair because I like to be comfortable when we're recording. And it is roughly four feet. Like, yeah, four feet away from me, but it's like just a little bit to my right. Imagine that being the basket. Okay. And that, this is where I was sitting. So if you're sitting in the back, past, but I was like, but if you're sitting a little ways past, so if that. you're sitting in the back driver's seat of a, of a 15 passenger van, or let's not even like a minivan, like the, yeah. the far back left seat. Uh, he is gesturing towards the passenger seat. Yeah. That's about it. That's where the basket would be. It's like it. Yeah. It's like if I was sitting clear back there and I wanted to see a billboard out the passenger front passenger window. <laughs> and from the back left portion of, of the minivan. So basically the right side of the court was completely blocked from view. Uh, it seems like a good view. It was, it, it was outstanding. It seems like a good view. You get at least half of the game. It's one of those things that it, like on some level it's nice because I think sometimes sitting up top or watching on TV, you forget how physical it is mm-hmm. until you get right there. You know, until you're like right there at at the level of seeing every all, all this stuff. So that's good. Where you're seeing these dudes banging underneath the hoop and it's like, man. Not literally. It'd be weird. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> uh, would you expect anything different? No. But I'm just saying the physicality of the game is exponentially different. Right. When you can see it right up close compared to watching it on TV or anything like that. And that's when you're like... Man, these guys really beat the crap out of each other. Also, uh, every basketball player is taller and skinnier in person than I than I expect them to be when they're like when you see them from a distance and you get up close and you're like, I mean, you understand and you say like conceptually, like Bab is six five, isn't he? Yeah, something like that. You're six six. Six, yeah, six six seven. seven yeah. So for those that have ever met Jared and haven't met Chris Bab, Nick Bab, or Nick Bab, excuse me, Nick Bab. If they've ever met, never met Nick Bab. He would look you pretty much eye to eye. Yes. Yeah. More or less. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the guys on the team do. That's tall. Yeah. And so like you forget about that because you, you see Nick Babb and he's one of the shorter guys, like average height, short to average height on the basketball court. 
and you're like, oh, you in fact are a very tall human, but also way skinnier because you can't run around with this much beef gesturing towards myself. You can't run that, that, that long of a time if you're carrying excess weight. So basketball players are all way taller and way skinnier in person. It's like people, like you look at a guy like Andrew Wiggins compared to Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is seven feet tall and he make, makes Andrew Wiggins look very short. Yep. Andrew Wiggins is the same height as me. Yep. Staring eye to eye. Yeah. Like as tall as I am is average in the NBA. Yeah. And that might even be at this point, like if you take point guards out, that's probably below average. Yeah. It's about what the size of like the average shooting, like a uh, small forward would be. Six, seven is like right in there. You're just the wrong color. On that note, uh, we will be right back in the Carl Chevrolet studios after a quick word from our friends at Iowa Diamond. This is Iowa Diamond President Chuck Kuba. After 20 years of serving engagement and wedding couples, I can't help but reflect back on the thousands of wonderful folks we've helped and ask myself, how can we be so lucky? Is it our incredible ring selection or the quiet private atmosphere? Then came the epiphany. Out of all the people in the world, we make you feel like you are the most important people in the world. Because at that moment, to all of us at Iowa Diamond, you are. Visit us at iowadiamond.com or in person anytime. You'll see what I mean. Welcome back to Carl Chevrolet Studios. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine today. Uh, Which, when does the, uh, because the first thing that they're going to do do they do interviews first or do they do like the, cause I'm pretty sure the bench press, doesn't the bench press go first and they do everything else after the on-field workouts begin on Friday. So, so David Montgomery will do his workouts on Friday. Hakeem Butler will do his workouts on Saturday. And the, then the, the interview, the off field portion would take place. I'm assuming starting tomorrow. Correct. Um, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow is Wednesday, but tomorrow and also then Thursday. E- I don't know. It says that it starts on Wednesday, but I don't know like what. I would assume it's just, yeah, like uh, interviews and stuff like that. And there's not a very exact schedule for that just because of the fact that that's not on TV. Yeah. And no one really knows what goes on back there. Yeah. Other than some weird ass questions that people ask. Like the, I, I've not again. I didn't personally go, but you hear stories of them, like of people asking. I don't know. Like, didn't they ask somebody about their mom being a stripper or something? Yeah, like I'm that? pretty sure that was Lamar Jackson. Like they yeah. asked, they're asking like way unnecessary personal questions. And good luck trying to defend that if you had to do that to any other human ever. Like if you had that yeah. like a normal job interview, like if that was the case, like you went to it for a normal job interview, and they were like. So what did your mom do when you were six years old, Jared? It depends on if you get this job or not. And they probably already know the answer. Yeah. See, and I think that, I feel like if that did happen, like probably some of the questions that they ask are where, where you would hear that and you'd be like, I'm never coming back here ever again, <laughs> regardless of whether or not I just got that job. I don't care. Yeah. This is not that important. Y'all are weird. It's like a job interview with Michael Scott. You know that he would ask some incredibly awkward questions. But totally because he thinks he's smarter than you. Yeah. I feel like in that scenario, though, with as much money as on the line, I mean, some of it I can get. That, the one with Lamar, that's a little weird. That's, a, that's kind of a 
odd thing to be asking someone about. But well, I think that there's like, like, would it not make more sense to just straightforwardly ask a person a question and then like have them tell about what their expectation of like, if I'm going to, if I would want a kid, I say kid, cause I'm, I don't know, I'm five years older than everybody that would be doing this super old air quotes. Um, but if, if I'm trying to get a player from college to come onto my team or decide if I want to draft him for my team, the thing that I would want to make sure of is that he is humble in the sense that he's not going to come in and try and, you know, showboat the rest of the, of the team or try and like overthrow right. the culture of the team. He's going to, he's going to understand whatever the culture of the locker room is. He's got to fit into it. Right. So understanding that he's humble and then understanding that he, under, that un, trying to get him to understand what the difference in expectation is for the NFL. And so trying so that like there's money on the line and now you have, there's certain amount of more, there's certain more freedom that you have to have. There's also the contractual stuff and like getting him to understand those things, but then also getting him to understand or like seeing how quickly they can pick football information up and anything beyond that, check the references, like call their coaches, talk to their teammates, talk to whatever, and be able to kind of see through the, the BS that you're everyone. Like if, if they, if, if I don't know, I've never done this before, like in hiring somebody, but like if someone lists references, they're obviously going to be good references. Duh. Like if they list a reference, no one's gonna be like, yeah, I wouldn't hire that guy. I really, I don't, I don't think he's a very good, good employee. No one's going to list a bad reference. So Man, I feel like you'd have I, to contact other people around him that would like have a direct pertinent relationship with the rest of the league. Let me. Okay. So I get what you're saying with that. And this is my, just be this might not really have anything to do with football, but it's like if, so say just as an example, we haven't had an intern that's like this, but I'm saying Cyclone Fanatic has an intern mm-hmm. and they put me and Chris as references on a job application. And both of us don't really feel like they were a very successful. Then Their why, internship was not very successful. Then why would they put you as a reference? That's because maybe they of. perceived that it was, you know, like they thought that they got a lot out of it. And it's like, for us, we're just like, yeah, we don't know. It's like, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. You know, yeah. where it's like, okay, so say they're, and then they're applying for a job at, I don't know, WHO. And Keith Murphy calls me, says, what do you think of this guy? Like, we're well, going to be honest with him. Right. And yes. that's, so that's where it, I get what you're saying, but it's like at some point, and think about how it is in football, all these guys know each other. So it's like some kid from Alabama, like they can call Nick Saban and say like, what do you think of this kid? And if Nick Saban, Nick Saban thinks he's a knucklehead and he's good buddies with the other guy, he's probably going to say like, yeah, dude's a knucklehead. Don't draft him. Yeah. And I get that. I'm just thinking like from a, and so from a referral standpoint, I'm, I guess the, the, the thing that I would say, so again, I think this is just goes back to the context of like the, the, what should the, this be? And I'm, I'm assuming there are organizations that just do this, like mm-hmm. the ones that draft really, really well, like as much as you want to talk about, like as much as we slammed Glenn or is it, uh, is it Glenn Dorsey, not Glenn Dorsey, uh, uh, John Dorsey, uh, the GM that was with the chiefs that is now with the Browns mm-hmm. that dude knows how to draft people. And so one would guess that a John Dorsey interview is going to be something to that effect of what are you, do you understand the culture of what's going on? Can you pick up football information relatively quickly? And are you humble enough to accept the fact that you're not going to be the best person here? Those probably, those qualifications are probably there, but I'm just thinking like the theoretical is if you're, if you're going to get information beyond that, talk to the people that they don't list, 
So like, I guess my thing is, is I've only ever on applications talked to people about what they would think about me if I did put them as, an, as a reference before I put them as a reference. Yeah. And so I don't think I've ever listed somebody that wouldn't go, absolutely. And if that's the case, then I have a really bad read on people. And <laughs> I probably shouldn't be fit for that job anyway. <laughs> so if I... Like if I'm going to ask somebody to be a reference, I'm going to make sure that that's a good reference. Yeah. And so if they were to be like, yeah, you can talk to me, or, you know, it, I don't think it's, there's a resume that goes on there. But I guess the other thing that I'm thinking of is what would, what would, um, what can even be gathered? Like how long are those interviews from a, I, I, I can't imagine they're very long. So would, what, what, like how much really can be gathered in a 25, 30 minute interview? I would honestly think that the longer, the better. Like, well, if, yeah, if, obviously. If, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's a context of meeting with the GM and the coach, like the longer, the better. Like if you get, you know, if you're, I don't know, let, let's say Kyler Murray, like if you're Kyler Murray and you're waiting, you're sure not sure if you're going to get picked and you're in the giants interview room for like four hours that's probably a good thing because mm -hmm. they really like you if they're in there. But if it's six minutes, <laughs> well, looks like I'm not going to New York. Yeah. But unless they're already pretty certain of like what they think they'd be getting from you, you know, where they're just like, we don't need to do any more than like spend a little bit with you. Yeah. I get what. Yeah. It's just like, so like in that instance, like how much time do you think Cliff Kingsbury would need to spend with Kyler Murray in an interview to, before he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, he already knows Cliff Kingsbury. Right. You know? We also, yeah, he's, uh, I don't know. It's an inexact science. I think you can. What I, do you think you'd score on the Wonderlick? I actually, I don't, I took it, I thought. I don't remember what my score was. They all, we had to take it for pro day. I honestly don't even remember what I got. What kind of questions are on it? So they are, so the Wonderlick, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a dumb test. It like I get that it has something to do with problem solving. So they start out with re really simple questions. And then as you get going, they get harder as you progress. And it's like, it's simple. It's the simple, like, you know, seven or like sixth grade math questions of like, which of these has, or which of these shapes has five points on the corners? Or something like that. And you have... Or one where it's like, Johnny has six apples. Exactly. And Rebecca took three from him. How many apples does Johnny have left? Yeah, stuff like that. And so, but they start off really simple. And it doesn't mean that they become difficult, but yeah. like they have a time frame. And I don't, maybe it's six minutes or something like that. And you have to get as many as you possibly can. And the wonder lick is just how many right answers did you get? And so they start off super easy. So your first 10 are like, if you don't answer the first 10 in like 40 seconds altogether, like... It's really, it's like nine plus nine minus four equals uh, uh, 204. I don't know. But like those are the little ones. But then you get towards the end and the time crunch starts to like back up and you're like, I need to get more of these done. Um, but then they become more complex. Like the whole train leaves the station at blank. So it's like train leaves, train leaves Chicago at, you know, 4 p.m. And it travels two hours east across the time zone. Another train starts in New York and travels back, you know, two hours to meet them in the same spot. Uh, and it crosses that same time zone or something, you know, some or crosses another time zone, uh, which train gets there first. And it's like, well, I mean, you can work this out. It's not that complex. Like the, the steps are easy to figure out what they would be, but it's just the time that you have to operate in there starts becoming a lot longer when the questions get harder. Mm -hmm. And so you get to the stratification between getting like a, 
I don't even know what a good score is anymore. Like 20 is 20. Is it like ACTs ish where you're like 25 is a good score and like 35 is really good. Didn't somebody like Carson Palmer get like 49. That's something like scores. Cause I think, well, Pat, some Pat guy got a, okay. Pat, some guy. Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. Weird last name. He got a 50. Yeah, so I think like Pat, like Carson Palmer got like a forty nine. Like somebody got Pat, Pat Macan, Pat Macanally. No, no, Macanally is the only. Okay, that's a perfect score. Fifty is a perfect score. I don't even remember what. Ryan Patrick got a forty eight. Benjamin Watson got a forty eight. The tight end Benjamin Watson. Uh, Do you want to know the five worst? Wonderlick scores. Vince Young on there with like a four. Uh. This actually kind of has an Iowa State tie in it. Frank Gore got a six. Uh, Frank Gore is also like a top five rusher in the history of the NFL. Yep. Uh, Oscar Davenport, probably not great for your uh, late round potential quarterback to get a six as well on <laughs> the Wonderlick. Ed Prather, I don't know who that is. He got a five. Uh, Morris Claiborne, who yep, he's a corner, has played a few years for the for the Dallas Cowboys, got a four. Former Iowa State running back Darren Davis also got a four. Mm. Not ideal. No. Not ideal. Um, I don't know. It, uh, probably some of that. Like, I would assume something like Frank Gore is not dumb. I mean, clearly. Uh, and I think with someone that good, it's kind of like, hey, Frank, there's the hole. Just, like, go. Well, and also, We're going to give you the football, and you just run and through also, there. And also, there could be a little bit of, F this. This is stupid. Yeah. And then just doesn't do it. And as a 22-year-old, that thought comes through your mind of why is this important? Well, and especially to with someone, like I said, that that was that, was that good, like at Miami. Mm-hmm. That guy knew he was going to get drafted regardless of what he got on the Wonderlick. Yeah. You know, he's just like, what's the point? Why am I here? Yeah. And But whereas like a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm sure he stepped in to take the Wonderlick and he's like, okay, I really have to like prove something here I'm, and do I'm this. I'm Harvard. Yeah. I better well it's it's not a test of intelligence really. I mean it's a test of quick mathematics problem solving. That's what it is. Cuz they're I don't, I don't know, but also if somebody like there can also I don't know on that list if someone's dyslexic, that test would be extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Extremely hard if you're dyslexic. So, I don't or know. if you can't read or if, well, if you can't read, shouldn't probably I mean, getting through college is probably difficult if you can't read. Like, I don't know if there's, again, the dyslexia might be the same thing, but like, if you just haven't spent the time to, to learn how to read <laughs> or your educational system failed you in, in that regard. And you still got that. And you still somehow got through college. Either a lot of adaptations were benefited you, to you by uh, the university, which props to them, but it seems unlikely that by the time you've done schooling for 16 years, you haven't learned how to read and write. Unless, again, you, unless you have a, a site or like a, a physiological disorder like dyslexia that you literally it doesn't work like mm-hmm. the wires don't cross where they need to i don't know but where do we where how do we got it how do we get here oh we were just talking about like the process of the combine oh. i figured in in the second segment we could actually talk about the iowa state guys that'll be at the combine i don't i also don't know like how much the cattle show matters like how many people at i think it's cool I think it's the, the fact that you have two Iowa Staters that are going there. I think that's really cool. But how many people are actually um, that you go to the combine, blow up the combine, and turn to be really good pros? 
that don't already have really good tape. Like, like a guy that comes to mind is like Leighton Vander Esch. I don't know if he went to the combine or not. He probably did. And so Leighton Vander Esch went to Boise, tore apart his, like, his actual college stats. Or, or he was, I mean, just the one year that he started, started. But like, if you watch the dude play, his film is great. Like, mm-hmm. he's really, really good. Super good. So why don't you just base it off of that? And so if he's like, oh, he runs a four something 40. You know, he's a, he's a tailback that runs a four six 40. Okay. Still ran for like X thousand yards. Yeah. Pretty darn good anyway. Like, I don't know. He's a bad example because he seems like a, he makes poor decisions off the field. But like Kareem Hunt, did Kareem Hunt tear up the tear up pro day? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think it really stands out, but he went to Toledo and he ends up being really, really good. You can just tell. Well, and two, you think about the guys that really just did blow up at the combine where it's like, I mean, obviously they had to have been good players to even get there mm-hmm. to begin with. Right. But like, I think about someone like Darius Hayward Bay who went and ran like a four, two, eight or something stupid, at ridiculous like six, in the 40. Yeah. And then he ended up being like a top 15 pick to the Raiders and his probably in the league, but I don't know. He's not like a a receiver that you would think of being like one of the best receivers in the league or anything like that. And it's just because they saw that he ran this at the 40 in the 40. And it's like, yeah, we got to pick that guy. And yeah. And and there's guys that it's just for me, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, don't don't absolutely don't get me wrong. Like, I will watch this or I will watch this because I think it's I think it's going to be cool to see your, you know, like, it's going to be cool to see what Montgomery broad jumps because the dude is explosive or see what, you know, what Butler hits on a vertical. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious, genuinely curious, mm-hmm. but I don't think it makes a lick of difference unless it's startlingly good or startlingly bad more than what you expected. Like Saquon Barkley last year, you knew Saquon Barkley just watching him play football and watching him like you. I'm sure scouts have gone to the weight room to see these guys lift or get numbers from a strength coach or whatever and you see him move and you understand like okay saquon barkley is a stupid good athlete let's see how stupid good athlete he is and so long as you don't drastically disappoint them if he were to have jumped instead of 42 and a half like he did or whatever it was 43 if he would have jumped to 37 and a half that's still damn athletic no one's gonna care he could have instead of jump or you know running what was he four three something maybe four four flat yeah i don't know and if he would have run four four nine Still damn athletic. It doesn't, so long as he doesn't come out and run a four nine and you're like, whoa, it's problematic. What happened there? Like, yeah. So long as you don't drastically underperform, I don't think, I, I wouldn't think that it matters that much, especially because they should, one would think they should base everything off game film. They're like 90% of your stuff should be game film based. We'll talk about this more in a second. Cause I, I have a, I have a thought on how the way that the combine has just changed, what makes it more like why it's a thing still. Okay. That's my tease for you. We'll be right back in the Carl Chevrolet studios on football and random things presented by Iowa Diamond on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's Williams. We'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily, but it's wanted to talk to you about eye care, of course, today. And my friends at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care, they meet your whole family's vision needs. And they did that to me about a year ago where I got in and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now. 
when I'm creating content for you at CycloneFanatic.com. It has decreased my headaches incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care, personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same day, same week appointments, and they are really good people. And they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Hey guys, it's Jared here with another message from Mechdyne. Are you looking to jumpstart your IT career, or maybe you're a student looking to earn some extra cash? Well, listen up. Mechdyne is currently looking to hire both full-time and part-time IT help desk agents to respond to and help troubleshoot client IT technical issues. You can get your foot in the door at an awesome company with a super fun culture that I've seen firsthand with my own eyes. So go visit the career page at mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Check them out today. All right, we're going to wrap things up here on football and random things. David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler set to participate in the NFL Combine this weekend. Getting back to the where we ended things there before the break. We, I, en- we ended things? How did we end things? What did I do? It's not you, it's me. What happened? <laughs> we're so good. <laughs> we're so good, Jerry. Um... Man, why'd you do that? Because <laughs> I love throwing you off your concentration. You have a thought and I really just want to shake the cable car until it falls off the tracks. That's my goal. So what I was going to say is that I feel like when the NFL combine started, I don't know when that would have been. But Thir- at that time... 1354. Probably not. At, at that time, not every college game was on TV. Not every college game was in a place where you could... An NFL scout could just pull it up and be like, oh... David Montgomery. What did David Montgomery do against West Virginia this year? Well, I'll just pull up the game and I'll be able to see what David Montgomery did against West Virginia this year. You had to like go to the combine and see David Montgomery and like that's your like first opportunity to really see what David Montgomery's done. Now you could like now you could see every play of every game that David Montgomery played in his college career. And you actually could get practice snaps. Yeah. If you wanted. If you're really interested in a guy, you could get everything. You can get everything is filmed. From the time you walk onto a field that has painted lines, it's going to have film on it. Strength sprint sessions, film. Everything is filmed. And so they could see your, like, the way that you interact with your teammates during workouts. They could see it. They can't hear it, but they can see it. Um, and I, I think it's probably true is that back in that time, there wasn't that level of footage, but it probably wasn't that hard to get when you were interested in somebody. Yeah. So then you could. But then I had to go through the mail and it's like, yeah, we're going to actually get film. Like film or VHS tapes or yeah. whatever. The interwebs. Betamax. Yeah, some Betamaxes. They'll pay the, UP, pay the, the uh, DHL guy yeah. to ship you some Betamaxes. Um, but yeah, it still would be possible. Yeah. I probably, that, that makes sense. I, I think if I remember correctly, the 40 yard, if you want to look up the history of the 40 yard dash, I'm pretty sure it started in the 70s when the Cowboys with Stahlbach. We're trying to um, get a, like, figure out how fast the receivers are. And they figured that 40 yards was the fastest straight line that any one football player would ever run. And so they had their people test 40s when they were uh, coming to try out for the Cowboys. And I think it was in the 70s. The origin of timing football players for 40 yards comes from the average distance of a punt and the time it takes to reach that distance. Was that and was it the Cowboys? 
I think it was Cowboys. I don't know. That's anyway, just what it says. But I think it was in the 70s, which would make sense on your timeline because then that would have probably wouldn't have been commonplace until the 80s to test people on these, you know, arbitrary random tests mm-hmm. to see to to equalize people out because they probably had sprints that they would do but some people would like a flying 40 we mean like run, get a running start and some people would like to do a um you know a, a flying 20 or a 30 yard dash or some would want to do it from a set position but it probably became standard practice to do a set 40 yard dash i would think in this in the 80s across everybody and then at that point it became just what other tests can you, can you do Okay, so the NFL Combine started in 1982, and it originally was primarily for to get medical information about the top college football players, as much as it was about their of like evaluating them. It says while medical examinations remain the number one priority of the event, athletes will also participate in a variety of psychological, excuse me, psychological and physical tests as well as formal and informal interviews with top executives, coaches, and scouts. So it's a cattle show. Yeah. Even more. Yeah, basically. It's just like a place for them to bring you and they'd poke and prod. prod Yeah. See everything that they can see about you. What's this one? Everything. What's this one look like naked? Have you seen the money movie or the <laughs> the money the, movie the, ball? Yeah, the, the movie Money Ball. <laughs> yeah, like they talk about in that. It's just the, he's, got, he's got an ugly girlfriend. Yeah, says low confidence. What? That's insane. That that was the way that things were decided, or that that things were assessed, and that man. And you know, there's still old dudes out there that look at it that way. And there is such reverence for scouts and how these guys are picking players. The good old boys. The hell are you talking about? No, no, there's one or two things in film that you can clearly objectively see. I feel like back then it would have almost been better. Like if you're, you thinking that you're going to get a top pick, it's just like, don't have a girlfriend. It's like, what, how do I know what that guy thinks is an attractive girlfriend? You know, I don't know, but maybe he doesn't have enough confidence to approach a girl. It's bad. Doesn't have a girlfriend. Doesn't have wife, fiance. So do they want him to like, do you think that they wanted their prospects to be out Talking to all the girls? See, you don't know because then what if they're, if they're, t- they're he's not focused on baseball. Exactly. Focused on, on getting some because he's be distracted on every road trip. There's no good answer to that. You can argue it against anyway. Maybe this is why this wasn't a very good way to pick baseball players. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It seems totally fine. It also seems like a pretty good way to incentivize people to do steroids because then you just look better. And that guy looks like a baseball player. He's a baseball player. Tony Gwynn doesn't look like a baseball player, but damn it, he is a baseball player. I feel like we might be onto something here. What? I don't know. Just the problems in scouting baseball players from the 1980s. That actually would make kind of an interesting book. I feel like like a study. You know, we should contact uh, like a statistics writer, potentially from Washington Post. Really put everything together. Bill James. I don't think Bill James writes for the Washington Post. Didn't isn't he guys just the guy that made the baseball encyclopedia thing? Um, oh yeah, he was. Yeah, who was, who was the guy that wrote Moneyball? Wasn't it Bill James? Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis. Oh yeah. No, Bill James, is who he referenced. He yeah. Statistics. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, that he's like the key piece of the the book besides Billy Bean. But 
I just think like that general, like I want to know like what what scouts thought of famous players, you know, or oh, like maybe yeah. some guys that like turned out to be big busts. Like what were some of their thoughts about them that like would have led them to do some of that stuff, like for, to make choices? Yeah. So for baseball players or any athlete, any I guess. Athlete, yeah, yeah. Any athlete, I guess. Or the ones, yeah, the ones that ended up like, what does Ryan Leaf scouting report look like? Yeah. Because I feel like there probably had to have been some red flags. Somewhere. Clear, I, I, there's no way that that totally comes off the rails without any look. Like Jamarcus Russell. Like Jamarcus Russell. Probably could have looked at his work ethic. Eh, looks like he doesn't do a lot of work. I don't know, man. He could, he could throw the ball 70 yards on his butt. Right. That's another, that's another guy that just seems like a combine all-star. Where you look at Jamarcus Russell and, you, and he, you know, on the throwing drills and he throws it so accurately from 14 miles away and you're like, God, bless it. This guy's got a good foot. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his coach said he's a decent guy, but could stand to work harder. There's no way his strength coach gave then a you sign w- off on him. And then you watched him, you watched him throw the football and you're just like, but by golly, he could spin that ball. He can spin it. He can sling it. I think he could throw that football over the mountains. He- I think his throwing mechanics are a little better than Uncle Rico. I don't know. Did you see Uncle Rico sling that stake? Hit hit the point right square in the face. That's so one of. Have you gone back and rewatched that movie in the past like five years? Yeah, dude. I watch it every time that's on TV. It's I love that movie. So good. Still. Yeah. And it's the driest humor on the face of the earth. <laughs> we spent a couple hours online every. Every night, I think you could say things are getting pretty serious. Things are getting pretty serious. <laughs> What's her name? Like Lashonda, <laughs> Kip and Lashonda. Oh my gosh, what a movie! Playing Dynamite. Shout out to shout out to those guys. Uh, all right, David Montgomery. What does David Montgomery need to do at the NFL Combine this weekend to help himself? I think he. So his film is stellar. Mm-hmm. With one exception with that I think we've detailed, which is that that top end speed to separate from people and make a 40-yard run into a 70-yard run and to make a 20-yard run into a 50-yard run. He'll make those, he'll make the big runs, but will get run down from the side. And so he just needs to not run like a 4-7. Man, if he runs, I don't know, 4-6 something, or even like if he's four fives on down, perfect. Then that really just... You know, it's the Big 12. They're fast people. He's going to do exactly what he's going to do. I don't think he's... I think he's going to tear up every other drill. I think his short shuttle, his bench press, I think his interviews are going to be terrific. I think yeah. medically, one would think, and they just have to check out that shoulder and because he just dinged it up this year to make sure the shoulder's cool. So if that's cool, then maybe she can't really do anything about. But if he can do that, great. But then the, the 40 is just... Don't do super poorly. And if you can do well on it, awesome. I think because I think his film speaks for itself, like I said, outside of that one thing. And if you were to ask any person on earth, I don't think anybody would say a negative thing about David Montgomery. And so you're going to get glowing reviews from everyone. You're going to get references that are great from everyone. You're going to get his blocking film is unbelievable. So good. And I think he needs to see things a little better. But I think people can, that can be coached. You can't coach like athletic ability and you can't coach that the work ethic to get better at stuff. So he's got those things. It's just sometimes being your little technique things. Great. His athletic ability, it's there. So I, I don't know. I think it's just 
the 40 is the one thing. Just don't screw that up. And then everything else is kind of cake from there. It's just confirming what they think. Wouldn't you say the same is probably true with Hakeem? I think it's not what he, everyone knows. I think Hakeem has shown his top end speed to people because he led the NCAA, would lead the NCAA or something like that, or like top five in the NCAA in yards per catch. Something like that, yeah. The dude can absolutely fly. We know that. that. So I don't even think that's, even if he has like a slightly subpar 40, getting that body out of that stance is going to be less advantageous than getting, was it John Ross? Is that the name of the short little dude that went to yeah. the Bengals? Yeah. Like that dude's 5'8", compact, going to come out like a bullet. Those first 10 yards are going to be much faster with a short dude like that has less levers than a longer than a guy like, you know, six, seven Hakeem Butler. It's just going to take him longer to get out of a stance from being down there. And so even if he runs four or five, which I think he will, I think that's, he, I would think four or five is probably on the slow end of what Hakeem Butler is going to run. But, but I think if he can, if he can run a time that starts with four or five, then he'll be fine. Fine. Yeah. yeah. And on, honestly, like four, six is slow ish. For his position, but still because of his height, you can also understand that like, again, watch the game film. He will separate from people. It's not that he's running with them. He'll, the separation is I, you start three yards apart and you finish seven yards apart. You gain ground on them yeah. and, he'll, and he'll separate from people. And so Montgomery won't. And that's the, that's like the speed difference between them. But a 40 is an inaccurate measure of that. His back 20 are going to be great regardless of whatever his time is, just getting him to be able to up and run. And yeah, getting in and out of breaks is going to be important. That's going to be stuff for him, which he does. Like, that's not a question. His game film shows that. I think the only thing that Butler struggles with, and the dude's a great blocker too. I think the thing that he struggles with his film is the concentration catches. It's the ones, it's the same thing that we talked about with Lazard, that it's the ones when, when it's between the one and the eight on his shirt that you, you're open. Those ones are the ones that he drops. It's not... He, catch, he catches the ones that you have to like laser focus for, like, you know, the, the crazy stupid catches that everyone is amazed by, because in order to get that done, you cannot take your eyes off the ball. It's the ones where you're wide open. It's a good ball hits you right in the belly as you're on a dig like that kind of th- those are the ones where he'll look upfield and drop them. Those are the ones the concentration catches. And so I think on certain of the drills, don't do that. Like keep your eyes on your work, mm-hmm. know what you're doing. Um, because you know, good hands, he's got good hands. We know that he's got good hands. Duh. Watch any ridiculous catch that he makes like the one against Oklahoma state, you know, he uses every inch of that 19 feet that he has from toe to fingertip to go get that ball, drag his toe while he's going, those are great hands, but also it's the, it's, but it's just the attention that I think is really of the negative on him. And so during the drills that require you to look around and be really quick with your eyes, just keep your eyes on your work that that I think is going to be fine. I don't know. I think Butler has m- more to lose. Um, I think Montgomery has more to gain at the, at this one or at this thing. Cause like I said, I think Montgomery's film is stellar with one exception is top end speed. And I think Butler's is, but I, I don't know if you can, if I don't know if you can combine your way out of the concentration catch, like that's just, you got to show it and they got to take a gamble on the fact that you're going to be better at it when they coach you on it. Mm-hmm. And so Maybe the interviews are going to be better. I don't know. But I think as long as Butler doesn't screw it up, like knock on wood, like it's just one of the same thing I was talking about before is as long as you're not doing something that's like, oh, you're a, you know, you're an offensive lineman who does four bench press reps. Like, all right, you don't need to do 50 to be a good offensive lineman. If you do awesome, makes you, you're pretty strong, right? But if you do 
24, that's strong enough yeah. to get the job done if your film's really good. If you do like Ryan Khalil was the, you know, a huge bust for the Vikings. He did what, like nine? And like my 240 pound ass did 20 or whatever, or 19, something like that. And th- there's no way that th- that that guy should be below, like starkly below the average. So, so long as you're somewhere near or above the average in most things, you're fine. Just don't be... We're, and then for a guy like Akeem, he'll probably be on the high end of some of the others. The right. broad jump and the The broad the jump, the high jump, and, the vertical. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how... His, his bench press is going to be hard because he has to go so far. Yeah. That's, dude, I, could ne- I was never good at bench press. The lever... That's like the hardest one for me to ever do. Well, it's the levers are so yeah. bad for biomechanics. Like there's... To go that far down with your elbows, to go all the way up that far with your hands, like that's just not advantageous. I think Montgomery should probably do pretty well at that because he's got short little stumpy arms. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in relation to Hakeem Butler, in relation to Butler just has gangly arms in relation to other humans. But yeah, it, it, it's don't be bad at stuff. I think that's, that's the, the, the name of the game more than being good at stuff. So like... I think I would think a decent metaphor for this is like golf, like a round of golf. It's not so much birdieing every hole. It's not taking a quintuple bogey on one, you know, like it's not about being great on any one, on any one given hole It's cool. You hit a, you know, you shot a, a, you know, an Eagle or something like that, but you also two holes later shot a nine on a par three. Well, that nine on a par three is drastically worse than shooting really well in something else. Right. So it's just, don't screw it up. It's just go in there. If you can hit a, you know, if you can hit an Eagle, Awesome. Great. Good job. Neat. Move on to the next one. But it's really just confirm what they thought and move on. All right. Is there anything else you have to say about the NFL Combine? I don't think so. Is there anything else you have to say in general? I don't like you, Jared. I don't like you. All right. Well, thanks to Iowa Diamond. Thanks to Carl Chevrolet. We will talk to you guys again next week. We'll recap the combine. Two weeks until spring football. Maybe we'll talk about some spring football. There's things to talk about in the future. When is it? When does tournament selection start? It is. Uh, it'll be two weeks from. Well, selection Sunday is two weeks from Sunday. See, there's more things to talk about. Why? This isn't basketball. This is football and random things. But there's ert in this. Ert. You, just, are you going to like bring your bracket in here and expect me to help you put it together or something? No, I know you like pick by colors. We talked about this. I we think. can dig in. We can actually go through. We're going to do mascot fights. Selection Sunday. We're doing the mascot fight bracket because that is the most fun that you're going to have on a podcast. Not talking about anything related to basketball other than mascots. We're doing the mascot fight bracket. All right. Talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.